This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially a continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Emerging Tech Series podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage. And on this special episode of the podcast today, um, as, as generally we always like to cover um, a wide set of topical and fun, fun themes, so today we're going to hone in on culture, uh, specifically as this is something that comes up every week um, when we speak with founders and tech leaders mentioning how important their team is to success. This is, of course, the, the job that pays the bills, and we are an executive search firm, although we would love to be full-time podcasters. But as an insure tech search firm, we know how important getting the right team is. And I thought it would be really interesting to get Sophie's take on this so we could get to the root of the challenges some more. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gavin. I'm really excited to be here with you today. I've been here since the first episode back in April last year when you came to join the team. So it's nice to be sat here on kind of the other side of the podcasting for once and get to have a conversation with you. Um, I'm excited to kind of dig into some of the key themes that from listening to your podcast every week do pop up and also probably shed a bit of light onto how our work ties into that and the themes that we've been seeing when it comes to DEI representation and the experience of women in this space. Mm, thank you. And, um, yeah, we've come a long way from editing the first episode that you're <laughs> now co-hosting on a, on a show. But um, for the listeners, I'm sure many or most of, or everyone will know who you are, but just in case they don't, would you mind kindly please introducing yourself? Thanks, Gavin. Yeah, so I'm Sophie Weston. I manage all our partnerships at FinPro, which encompasses a whole load of things. I work closely with a lot of VCs um, and then by default, their portfolio. I also work closely with a lot of the media partners in the industry. We're really lucky to be a part of, such as IDC, ITI, um, Global InsurTech Hubs, and more. Um, I also host the We Are InsurTech Women podcast, which is a particular highlight of my role. I get to speak to and get a bit more insight, background information on so many inspiring female leaders in this space. So, yeah, I think we're going to probably dig into some of the stories that. I've learned through this podcast and our insight onto women in tech. Awesome. Thank you. So I think where I thought would be best to start is, we, again, we talk a lot about culture, <clears throat> diversity on this podcast, on your podcast and Alex's. And when we're talking to organisations from a recruitment perspective alongside discussions of salary and progression opportunities, the the diversity of candidates and availability of them often comes up. Why do you think companies are still struggling to build diverse teams and attract diverse talent? 
I think it's a big question. I think there's probably a lot of factors that do go into that. And diversity in tech is a big topic. I'm going to focus specifically on female representation. That's my own particular experience, but I wanted to quickly highlight that I know that diversity does also include ethnic minorities, socioeconomic backgrounds, and other things such as neurodivergence. But um, we're just going to hone on and on this, but many of the themes are true across those other elements as well. But actually, there's only 20% of the tech roads are held by women. So I think that really it's a pipeline issue. There is just one thing that's causing that, though. But as you can see, that 20% is already a really small amount of the entire insure tech community. Um, another thing that I think is really interesting is a lot of women actually drop out of those roles at around 35. That was highlighted by the 2021 census study, and I thought that that was such an interesting stat. We're getting not a lot of women into the space already, and then retention is also proving to be a factor. Um, so I think retention is something that we can really work on. One of the factors that's kind of leading less women to come into the space in the first place is probably education and trickles right down, probably school and university. Less women are doing STEM degrees and then the knock-on impacts from there. I know that there's a lot of things going around at the moment about encouraging younger women into STEM subjects, and I think that's going to have a really big knock-on effect as those generations move through. But currently we're really facing a lack of um, representation in those demographics that are going to kind of stay through that. Because of that, there's obviously less women in the middle management. Pipeline is really impacted. If there's less senior representation, if you can't see people in that space, it's really hard to envision yourself moving up that career ladder yourself. If you see them, you think you can be them, and I think that that's something that probably is really underestimated by their male counterparts. Everybody's going to know a successful male CEO, but do you know personally as many female CEOs? Probably as not. So I think that that's probably something that we can really change. And by having more women in those senior leadership positions and then that trickle down, I think will make a really big impact onto the retention and just more women in the space in general. I think in particularly in tech startups where we've had a lot of interactions, both Gavin, myself, and our colleague Alex speaking to so many short techs, even on a daily basis. And the culture and innovation that we talk about within these insure texts doesn't necessarily always translate across to culture. Maybe the products are really innovative, and that's definitely true, but that's not necessarily innovative in their day-to-day culture. For example, startup can be seen as being more flexible, but I think the question really is, is that the right kind of flexibility to support things as, such as pegging responsibilities and other issues that are probably more gender-biased? Um, I think probably um, people who found startups have been bring culture from where they were previously and focus on innovation in product solely, not necessarily innovation in culture. So I think that we can seem to have an innovative culture, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, and that's even before we get into the challenges of women in diverse groups getting funding. Another key issue is the lack of female founders. I think that makes a big difference. Um a key issue is that people invest in people they know. Insurance and insurtech is still obviously really dominated by white men and the people investing the money seem to be similar. So I think people are expanding their networks and reaching out to different people and we're seeing that representation across the whole community where that is investors and that's people coming right in at the beginning of their career will really encourage and create more diversity of thought. Mm. 
Thank you. Yeah, some really interesting stats, and I know I was looking at the white paper too, but um, yeah, there's a couple of things I'll maybe come back on later on. But that finishing point, um, diversity of thought, could you kind of delve into that a bit more? What is that and why is, why is it important? Yeah, of course. I think that diversity, DNI, things that are thrown around a lot and I think before we get into this it's probably important to separate that from kind of the buzzword um and actually practically what we can do often when discussing DAI can be treated as a tick box metric to see forward thinking something slightly on the surface and especially when there's increasing pressure to kind of move the needle forward and seem slightly more open-minded and it obviously runs a lot deeper than an international women's day celebration post and a shout out to female colleagues in the team and I think sometimes these things can be slightly trivializing but actually there's a lot of practical benefits of diversity of thought the benefits of a more diverse team go beyond just meeting those metrics they are there's so many stats that back up them being naturally more innovative uh, companies with inclusive culture are actually times more likely to be innovative and participate change or respond effectively um, statistically, a team could be similar backgrounds. You are going to think the same way. You've had similar life experiences. That's going to lead to making similar conclusions. Um, that same essential study said that diverse teams are more engaged and make better decisions 80% of the time. So I think that's really interesting. Essentially, that diversity of thought means that you're honing in on lots of different experiences and making better, more informed, more well-rounded decisions. Really reminds me of a conversation I had at the very beginning of the Women's Short Women podcast, which for any of you that do listen, you'll remember, but um, I think it was episode two of Aurora, we were talking about a um, colleague of hers, and she mentioned that on paper, it was three co-founders that were probably the most qualified, the most on paper successful people to start up um, a company. They'd done amazing degrees from the best universities in the US. They had a network of people who could invest in them and they were really set up. Everything that you really need, they kind of had. They had the skill set, the education and the network. But what they didn't have was a mindset that was able to scale a team. And when you are like that, you're looking for other people that are a blueprint of yourself. And that's not scalable. You need other people to be able to come in and bring in opposing opinions. People challenge each other. That's where you learn, that's where you grow and that's where you're able to be a lot more resilient in obviously the last year we've had really turbulent short take landscape and I think it's probably the diverse teams that have been able to kind of think of slightly more innovative different ideas to get through that that have kind of stuck through it um so Gavin I probably wanted to throw you into the hot seat now and I know that obviously you do a lot of work working with insurtechs and growing their teams and I wonder kind of what you're seeing on the ground what conversations are cropping up? What are people asking you and what are the pain points? Oh, okay. Well, now I'm in the hot seat. <clears throat> well, um, that's a, it's, it's a fair question. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think probably echoes quite a number of your points, but you know, the, for me, the, the needle is, is, yeah, it's moving pretty slowly. I think, I think it's probably looking back a few years ago, I think it's, Organisations are more realistic, but I still think there's a there's a real lack of support and development to increase um, the amount of female representation and middle management to executive engineering roles specifically. I think from my network alone, which is seven thousand plus um, engineering and product professionals on LinkedIn, 
in terms of female um, split, you know, that's usually across kind of junior to, to mid-level roles and female leaders at large organisations. Now, large organisations have years and years of runway. They have room to develop. They have training programmes that they, uh, they, they can accommodate for female leaders. I think us, the business, and me personally, I've worked with startups for a number of years and runway is usually 12 to 24 months. People have to come in and hit the ground running and from an engineering perspective, you know, people have to, one, be hands-on as a leader. They have to scale teams. There's a number of things that have to come from startup world and none of, really all of those metrics have to be hit. So when I think the conversation now is, is of course, every conversation we have with regards to leadership search, the diversity focus is always there. Companies are realising that their own networks are very limited and as such need external help to find diverse talent and, and, and create a robust pipeline for immediate and future needs. You know, the reality, as I say, though, is that your stat being 20% are uh, female in tech, you know, I'd love to kind of see the breakdown of that because there is some technology roles like product or marketing that, that are more female heavy when it comes to engineering. Uh, you know, I read a stat somewhere, I can't quote it, but it was in the region of around 5% are um, leaders, i.e. CTOs, VPs of engineering. And again, my experience is that whilst companies say they want to hire a female leader or underrepresented leader, they want them to tick all the boxes and they don't have the room to support and develop because everything is critical at the early stages of a startup. So inevitably, it always ends up becoming a man that has 20 plus years experience of building tech and managing teams and managing managers. So yeah, I think um, the female pill that can meet all of these requirements is more limited and and this just creates challenges when organisations are, for example, asking for all female shortlists, which was a thing a few years ago, but I think the shift is more realistic, particularly in engineering, that's, we'd love a female, but, you know, of course, um, we're open to all candidates, but, um, yeah, that's probably a bit of a summary of what I'm seeing now and how it's changed from a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. I think that you hit on a, really, a few really interesting things there. I wanted to kind of ask you about well, your thoughts are on practical steps as organisations are more and more focused than ever on creative diversity. But from your experience, and I know that you do a lot of this, what can they practically do to create a more diverse team and they're scaling and growing? Yeah, that's the whole load you could put in there. But I think, I think the things that I don't see enough is, is visibly supporting diverse colleagues within organisations. Um, I think particularly for, if you take insurance or insurtech in our world, yes, insurance is a humongous or, uh, industry, however, it's kind of small as well. So word of mouth is really your biggest recruitment tool. I feel like it is in our space. We're really being visible in how you're supporting diverse colleagues, how you're promoting within and not constantly just hiring external leaders or external senior people. What are you doing to support um, the diverse uh, vision of your business and you know I think establishment or if there's existing establishments supporting those establishments of employee resource groups you know underrepresented or women focused groups within businesses that are predominantly male let's make sure that they have a genuine voice in the organisation they can champion best practices and 
I think that's really important. And, and I don't really see much celebration of all types of diversity consistently. It doesn't have to just be female. Again, underrepresented can mean a lot of things. Ethnicity affects a number of things, but it's not just something that we celebrate once a year. You know, we don't change the banners on LinkedIn to LBGTQ and, and or, or you know Women's Day. Um, it's not it's not a performance tick box. It's it's something that should be celebrated. If you're going to celebrate it all year round and boast about how diverse your company is, um, I think from from our side, you know what FinPro does to support um, creating a, a diverse tech team. I think those examples are what businesses should be doing internally. You know, reaching out to reaching out externally. You know, we we can't always promise that we'll find a female leader for a CTO or a VP of engineering role. But what we can promise is that we will give you curated, specific data based on whatever the metrics are, location, um, industry, years of experience, whatever your mandate is for this perfect person, we will ensure that we leave no stone unturned and you have that data to then go back to. And, you know, some of these people may not be available and the pool is seriously limited. So... It's, it's important that most maybe you don't get the person now that you have the you have everything you need in place to to, to maybe revisit that type of hire for another function or within the same you know if it's for engineering. But I think before we get into that, before we go out to market to try and employ that method, I think companies have to be willing to be to an extent challenged on the diversity of the senior leadership, and and, and, and this might mean using. A number of tactics. There is, if you're, if we're recruiting for a thirty-person business, and and there's there's thirty white males in the business, then you know there's maybe a subconscious bias there. So you know, anonymising CVs, blind CVs, is a great way of of levelling that and taking out the subconscious bias. I think rewording job posting to be more inclusive. Um, you know, if you and I, Sophie, applied for a job and there was 10 bullet points and I maybe only met three of them, I would still apply for the job and I would still back myself together. Um, you know, there's data um, over the years that suggest that females, you know, feel like they have to almost tick eight or nine out of the 10 boxes, otherwise they won't apply. So I think making the, the job posting more personable, more inclusive, and that does come down to select words, um, is another good tactic. And, one that I think is a massive one when we're going through um, a process when we get to the latter stages is the, the two-in-the-pool effect. And, you know, statistically, you're 79%. There's a 79% higher chance that you will make a diverse hire if you have two diverse candidates at the final stages. If you don't, and you just have one, it's, 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 it's hugely unlikely that you make a diverse hire. So, I mean, those are just... You know, off the top of my head, and what and what we typically do in a search, the three or four things that that we employ. Um, but going back to what you said as a finishing point, expanding your network. You know, expanding outreach to the market is one thing, but really looking at your own individual networks and company networks. And you know, it's something we are dedicated to at FitPro with your platform being Shortsight Women. And again, it's it's being willing to challenge yourself on on how you really hire. Um, for diverse um, talent, as I say, it requires a significant level of outreach. And a person would think for startups, CEOs, <clears throat> CTOs, 
they just don't have the time and resources to put into this to really build out that type of search. And maybe I'm being biased, but I really think outsourcing um, is the best solution. Unless, of course, you have an internal team that is fully dedicated on that because it is so time-consuming. Um, yeah. Thanks, Gavin. I think you touched on a lot of points that, as a team, we're constantly discussing and bouncing back and forth with other C-suite leaders in the space. But yeah, I completely agree. I think expanding your network, putting yourself in that position to, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable and challenged and say, do I have the appropriate network to take my team forward? If you are looking around and the main people you know in the space are other people with the same background as you or the same education as you, maybe hiring from your network isn't the right step for you. But you can challenge that by attending more diverse events and broadening your network in general. But you can also challenge that by committing to outside resources and, you know, people that can help you access that hidden talent pool. Um, so, yeah, Gavin, you summarised all that perfectly. And, yeah, this has been super interesting. Hopefully we've given all your audience a bit more insight into what we're seeing in the market from the talent side and hopefully answer some questions that people have. So thanks for having me on. It's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, well, yeah, thanks for coming on and sharing your insight. I know that many of the people listening to us on the tech side will have got a lot of value. Um, and yeah, look forward to doing another special episode with you. Maybe you'll have me on again. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gavin. Speak to you soon. Thank you.